Let us say hello to Energized Cho, who I Oh, uh, the lads. You know these guys? Oh my god, do I know these lads. They have a great podcast. They come from Ireland. They speak to all the upcoming prospects in Irish MMA. Oh. These lads are right. the shit. I love them. Okay, right. let's see what they got. Energize show up the Irish. Okay, what's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of Energize. Russ, introduce the guest, Matt. Well, today we are joined by Irish MMA royalty. It is Mr. Philip O'Connor and Mr. Pete Carroll. Lads, how are we doing? I'm dead, but I'm all the better. Like, this is the energy of the show, so we're bringing the energy. It doesn't matter how tired I am, we're coming with it, lads. We're coming with it. And you better around. believe it. Pete's getting G'd up there. He's like, come on, come on, Pete. That's it. I just literally came on because I'm really tired, and I was like, these lads, they better live up to their name today, I tell you. Oh, stop. <laughs> uh, spot, Roscoe. Uh, Basmo, I just want to say, pet peeve points today. Um, I do not believe in this hype that people putting pictures of their dogs up on Instagram is going to plant more trees in the world. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. I didn't there. do that. I didn't do yeah, that. Neither, neither I, did I. I. I've completely missed this. I, what, what's happening? He's putting up some pictures of Reggie again. You know, he's only doing. He's just fishing for likes. People don't feed the beast. I did. I, there's no pictures of Reggie today. I mean, I've been, I've been really not giving him the spotlight he deserves. If anything, I think, Bill. The jealousy is that's your worst trait, Peter. Is how jealous you get of that dog. <laughs> Lads, it's awesome. great to have you on the show. We were at Bellator Dublin over the weekend chatting away, and then we were like, right. We have to do this to wrap up the weekend. So on today's show, we'll be talking about Bellator Dublin. Uh, we'll be previewing this Friday's Bellator 271, Cabinet versus Cyborg. Uh, also, we'll be looking at UC 268 as Ian Gary got, uh, wins by KO in round one and remains undefeated. And then we'll be looking at UC Vegas 42 as well, Holloway versus Rodriguez. So we're in line for a great show, especially for Irish MMA fans. So, Roscoe, we went to Bellator Dublin on Friday. We, we, we made, made sure to hang around with Mr. Phil O'Connor and Pete Carroll. What a bloody event, Roscoe. It really, really was. It was unbelievable from start to finish. I know some of the results didn't go our way, but like, lads, how incredible it was to have nearly 9,000 people packed out in the venue. And, you know, the Irish MMA world showing that we are the pound for pound best fans in the world. And it's undeniable. The most remarkable thing that happened on Friday night was after everything that happened prior to Peter Queeley's walkout, I was sitting there going, okay, I just took it in, right? So I didn't record a single video. Everybody else was standing with their their cameras. And it's not because I thought, oh, I'm just going to be cool. I'm not going to do that. I just stayed there going, this is amazing. Like the atmosphere in there was absolutely amazing. And when Peter's face first came up on the screen and then he starts to walk out to zombie, and I, and I, like that was, I actually tweeted about it after the fight had started. I was going, if you haven't seen an Irish fighter walk out to zombie at a full packed out three arena in the main event, have you even lived at all? What are you doing with your life if you haven't seen this? And I mean, okay, you can talk about the results, you can talk about everything else like that, but that was just amazing because that was the point, lads, when I left the pandemic behind me. I went, okay, we will get through this. We are all back in the one room. The best thing about the event, and this is no offense to fighters who are involved, there's some brilliant performances by Danny and Kieran on that, but it was seeing you guys, it was seeing those 9,000 other maniacs and just being all together in the room again and enjoying a huge event like that. Yeah, we broke the rules, didn't we? We were we were shouting and cheering and celebrating the results and everything can we I, were. Can I just say uh, something that, like, Phil, you just touched it there. Like, like that was the first time myself and Ross went to an event since COVID. And, like, dealing with COVID, like, from the mental health side of things, my mental health's been swinging like a yo-yo, even though yeah. that's up and down, sorry. And then, like, going to an event and actually being around people and everyone just loving it and then hanging around with yourselves and even, like, Andy and Noel and Sean, everyone just meeting everyone, it was... Uh, it was overwhelming. It was absolutely brilliant. And the atmosphere of the fans, everyone brought it. What a bloody break, great night. Thanks a million, Bellator. Ross, take away. Uh, Baz, I just want to say, you can do whatever you want with the you. you can do up and down. <laughs> yeah, but so it's so, it no brilliant. bother. 
<laughs> yeah, but it was so brilliant. I'm sure everyone else there was just like the atmosphere. It was just the perfect way to almost see see off COVID. So uh, it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I suppose we'll we'll get into the main two fights. So like, obviously, Peter Creeley, you can't not like talk about the walkout. Like, I think more people were going to that event almost looking forward more to the walkout <laughs> than to the fight. Like, it's very rare you see, uh, you know, the ring announcers and you see you see nearly all the Bellator staff taking out their phones, recording, being like, this, this is the moment that they were waiting for. It was incredible. Yeah, the fight didn't go his way. And yeah, it didn't go uh, James' way. But like you have to think how incredible it is for those two men to actually pack out an arena, and to me, like that's a success in its own right. I think sometimes you have to step outside the fighting realm, and especially I look at James Gallagher because I saw he took some criticism online, being like, "Ah, oh, he's not good enough. He's you know he's losing the B leagues." James Gallagher is twenty five. He's eight and two in Bellator. He has an eighty percent win win rate, and he's fought more professional fights in the big leagues. Then I think anyone at his age, it's an absolutely incredible feat that he's done. And not only that, he's going to be a father. He got engaged last month. You know what I mean? Like that fella is winning at life. And at the end of the day, he's taken very little damage in his career as well. So I have all the respect in the world for James. And to me, every time I see him, every time he steps out and perform, I become a bigger and bigger fan of his. Yeah, no, he was brilliant. Um, and, and what people. People are, are always going to be quick to tear James down. It's because of who he is. And that's the same reason that 9,000 people are packed into the three arena. He puts himself out there um, and he has done since he was a teenager. And this was a huge step up in class in, in terms of opponent. And I don't think he looked at our place at all. I saw people online trying to say, oh, he got smoked. He's in a very competitive fight. One of the best bantamweights in the Bellator books. Um, obviously, there was a weight discrepancy there as well due to the weigh-in. If you think about it, going from Carl Eleanor, and I'm a huge Carl Eleanor fan, but you got to acknowledge that the, the there's a huge difference in terms of what Patchy Mix has done so far with Bellator and what Carl did. So, I mean, it, it's plain as day for me. He goes in against one of the best bantamweights in the world. There's no shame in losing that at all. What Bellator can get lots of good fighters. They can get lots of really good 135ers that will put on great fights for them. But they what they don't have is a lot of people who can sell out arenas. And that's what James has proven to do. And that's far more valuable to a promoter, to be honest. Yeah. I know it's a terrible thing to say, but that's the way our sport is. It's more valuable to have a guy that can put arses in seats than it is a guy that can have a, a whole arsenal of weapons and unravel them in front of the, the crowd that they have to be invested. And that's something that James has done since he was a young fella. And I expect him to just keep on getting better. I saw big improvements from him in the, in the fight that night. Again, against a much better opponent than he's ever faced. So, so young, he's got it all ahead of him, and I'm gonna be continue to be excited about what what's gonna happen with James Gallagher, James Gallagher's career from here on out. Phil, kind of annoyed like me a little next... bit, lads. Yeah, no, it kind of annoyed me a little bit because I felt that guillotine finish was coming. I felt he was being very careless because he got out of it twice, and then the third time he got caught and he couldn't get out of it. And I was saying to Peter's going, just stop doing that, okay? Just because you got away with it the first time doesn't mean you can keep going. But one of the things that we were talking about during the fight while it was going on was how much more precise James' striking has become, right? So there was very little of this. You know, he was very sloppy before. There was a lot of energy wasted. And if you look at Cameron Usman, who we'll probably talk about a little, a little bit later on, he doesn't waste any energy in the strike, and particularly his jab. It's very, very efficient. You know, James wasn't that good, but that was one of those things that it seems to have come on in leaps and bounds to me during the pandemic when he wasn't fighting since he moved to America. So that's great. But, you know, people, you know, it's 
it's a I can understand why James annoys people, but at the same time, you know, you've got to be fair to people as well. You know, if he goes out there and he puts himself out there, you know, the headphones I'm sure annoy people. They annoy old men like me who grew up in boxing. You know, to see people do that, it's like ah, stop it, open it. But at the same time, you know, you've got to give them credit when they do these things and it's and it's fun and that you know you've got to understand what it is he's trying to do because but you know as PT was saying, if you don't have him, if you don't have Peter, because Peter can be a prickly character at the best of times as well. But you know they'll generate interest in a fight. You'll either want to see them win or want to see them lose and without them we could have had that you know in a shed in Blanchardstown that's where that event would have been you know I'm sure PC would have cleared out the, the you know the tables and chairs and there's local in Blanche <laughs> and we could have had the event there and said that would have been great it's lovely but you know that's what gives this whole vibe but what makes those walkouts what makes that whole thing I mean to be honest in terms of the bantamweight division, it's a setback for James because, you know, you're not going for a title fight on the back of that, you know, so you've got to sort of regroup and go again. And, you know, I, I really don't have a good answer for you, Barry, because, you know, does does he go up a weight? You know, what does he... I think he just, he just needs to keep going. He just needs to get fights under his belt. He's going to be one of those fighters who finishes up like, you know, 23 and 6 or something like that. As somebody mentioned there, he's only 25 years old. He's a lot of time left here. I'm kind of glad that he already has, you know, his always gone, you know, that he's already lost a couple of fights because... That doesn't matter. This is mixed martial arts. This is not boxing. You know, there's only one Khabib who's gone through, you know, his stellar career completely undefeated. So for me, get back in there, work on those holes. I think there was a little bit of overconfidence as well in his own grappling game. You know, Patchy makes a very, very good grappler. And to go in there and to get, just to give him the opportunity to put a guillotine hold on you, not just to choke on you, but just to get that arm over your head and just make things difficult for you. You shouldn't be doing that because eventually a really good grappler is going to make you pay for it. So go back to the gym. Iron out that kink in your game. It might be, you know, there's, you know, he has to learn a little bit more humility in that part of the game where he's actually best, where he's absolutely world class, you know. But I do think that he's going to come back better because of it. I do think that, you know, hopefully fatherhood will do that for him as well. They go, okay, I've more to fight for now. A lot of guys will tell you that and girls will tell you that. that when they have children of their own, all of a sudden they start to take it a lot more seriously. Yeah, I think I think the, the choke battles, to be honest, like if, if I was going to point to the most eye-catching things in terms of... um you know, an elite fight. I think that the choke defense off both of them, and actually, as Phil said, rightfully, it got him in trouble in the end because he got confidence out of the first two, but mixes as well. Um, James had him in some very precarious positions. And, you know, you know when you can see that the choke is on for a very long time, you start to lose confidence in it. But there was times when you could see Mix's hand come out, like especially in the second round with uh, James had him in a guillotine. And then it goes back to him. The, the way that catching chokes even was really, really high level. So it's like, I can understand how, how a fighter get into that ego battle, especially someone like James Royfield, like we've been hearing about him since he's a teenager, this jiu-jitsu savant. But unfortunately, Mix had exactly the same type of reputation in the US. But they both proved it, that they are high level uh, submission fighters that night, I thought. And um, yeah, I, I do believe James is going to improve. Even his demeanor seems to be so mature, so so uh, composed these days. He, he's not... I, like sometimes I guess when, when you're younger in your career, you're kind of chasing, you're chasing the spotlight a bit, but I, I don't get that vibe off James at all anymore. And if we've seen that much of an improvement with James Gross in one camp, I, I think we're going to see much more. Yeah. Russell, where do, where do you see James going next now as well? Obviously he, he's about to get married. He's about to have a kid. Like it's, it's really kicking off. He's now going full time to Kansas as well. What do you see next for James? 
I think he, I think he'll fight again at bantamweight. I think we'll see a better James next time out. I think he'll probably fight maybe an unranked opponent, and I wouldn't be surprised if Bellator came back in February to Dublin. James at the headline on the show. One good thing about uh, that performance is he took very little damage. If anything, James did show a lot more damage on the feet than uh, Apache Mix did. So at the end of the day, you know, I mean, he, he should be relatively fresh as a daisy, and come February or March, if Bellator returns to Dublin. James Gallagher will be your headliner. I wouldn't be surprised to see him against the European talent. That's, I well, just want to give a quick shout out, actually, just before we go any further, to the Bellator crew, like the whole yeah. organization of Bellator, yeah. right? Because when I came over there, um, I was hoping to come over with my family because, you know, the pandemic, we haven't been over there. And then I saw this card was happening. And I went, uh-huh, okay, let's do this. So <laughs> I wanted to do a feature about it. Now, I didn't want to report on just the fights themselves, right? Because even though there was a lightweight title fight, that wasn't really what was of interest. To me, what was of interest was, you know, the resurgence of Irish MMA, the first big event in Ireland since the pandemic. And Bellator bent over backwards to accommodate me in doing that. I brought with me an absolutely brilliant photographer called Clodagh Kilcoyne from Reuters. We've worked together on Olympics and World Cups and that. And I asked them, can I send her, can you let her into the dressing room where maybe James or Peter is getting their hands wrapped? And y'all, we all know, like, fighters don't like us being in there at that point, mm-hmm. you know. They don't mind for their amateurs, but when they've been, they just want to be on their own. But they did. And James very kindly agreed to allow Clodagh in there. He posed for a couple of pictures and everything. The pictures are brilliant. Unfortunately, at the moment, they're sort of locked into Reuters' feed. Hopefully, we'll be able to see them and display them for the general public but it made the story I was trying to write and the story I was trying to tell so much better and I really really do appreciate Danny and all the people at Bellator who do that now that's not the, you know it's not like I'm not going to criticise them in the future that kind of thing but when they are that accommodating <laughs> yeah, boy, really yeah, I love that you have to say that of course yeah. ruthless Jesus Christ it's not like they're going to be mates I probably won't get a Christmas card after this year I haven't got one out of year but at the same time it makes it so much easier for us as journalists as reporters as people on press row to bring people closer to the sport right that to me is one of the sort of the seminal moments of any fight is people getting their hands wrapped if you've had it done yourself if you've seen it you know that that's when the fighter starts to tune in and i really wanted that to be part of the wider story we were mm-hmm. telling and they helped us do that and they've been brilliant and they really deserve credit for that yeah they definitely story, up our game though. brilliant brilliant story you thank you very much peter hold on i'll be over to pat you on the back now very shortly <laughs> no but <laughs> what i was gonna say is it you know, you're saying, you know, it wasn't about the fights. It wasn't really about the fights that night. Like, and the lads alluded to it earlier. The big talking point from that event isn't Patricky Pitbull is the, the the new champion at lightweight. It's like, holy shit, did you see the Irish fans? Did yeah, you yeah. see? And there was a feeling of ecstasy there. Like, I mean, that's why I kind of drew like, obvious parallels to McGregor and Brandel was a real kind of moment in Irish MMA. Obviously, like, you know, this is him showing the world that he is... He is ready to take on the world and he has his country behind him. But that's what this was about. And there was a feeling in the, the arena that was similar to the one McGregor and Brandeau. I didn't quite get that same feeling, even though the crowd were amazing for a different Bellator, Bama events, Cage Warriors events. The crowds are always great, but this was pure joy. And I think it was just the, the fact that they, they were at an event again and, and they were able to watch these fighters compete again. And I think that that, that was brilliantly got across in your article. Will we tell the lads how the sausage is made, Peter, and how this happened? So, lads, as soon as the main event is over, I turned to Pete and I went, well, that's my story, fucked, because what you're really looking for there is a victory. You want to see Peter Creeley there with the belt, and then this shit then writes itself. So now I had to actually, I had to do five minutes of actual work. So Pete said, what are you going to do? And I went, watch this. And I just went over to the barrier. I think I actually passed you on the way, Barry. And I we thought this was his friend. I thought he was talking to his friend at the barrier. 
Oh, so I just grabbed this guy and security, I got, okay, everybody get the fuck out, drink that beer, get out of here. They want to close up and sweep up and leave it at that. And I just went to this bloke, yeah, come here, come here. And I said, uh, can I ask you a couple of questions for an article? Lovely young fella, Dylan Twist was his name, right? And I started off by asking him about the atmosphere then and asking him then, you know, what he thought of the fights, you know, and then turned out that he'd been to see McGregor against Poirier in Las Vegas. He was one of the very few Irish who was over there. And then, of course, we could finish on the high note of, like, I asked him, you know, well, you've seen two uh, fighters in the main and the co-main losing. Are you going to come back? And he said, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be first in the queue to see any fighter because this is the first chance I have to see a potential champion as I had been in 2014. And that was what made the story for me. So even if you go in there with an idea, you know, events will always overtake it. We know that in this game, as Mike Tyson used to say, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. And man, was I ever punched in the face where Dylan Twist came out. He was like the cup man. You know, he gave me the smell of salt. <laughs> and that was what made the story. Great fun to write. Big shout out to Dylan Twist, whoever you are. What a Come name. On, he needs to yeah, get into jiu-jitsu or something, man. That's that's yeah, insane. That was the thing. He told me his name, and I went, well, I don't have to write that down. I'm never going to forget <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, also, like, also, obviously, uh, Patricky knocked out Peter Queeley. Uh, but, but, uh, Conor McGregor went straight on Twitter after saying that's 1-1 in his book. Ross, what do, you, what do you expect to happen now in the lightweight division? Well, I, I definitely don't expect a rematch. I, I well, uh, the trilogy to happen immediately. Um, I'd say Patricio will probably fight someone else. I wouldn't be surprised to see AJ McKee come up and try and uh, t- take off both brothers. That's what I sort of want to see. I don't know if that's the route Bellator will go, but uh, I must say that fight was very interesting. I thought Peter's defense was very tight. Um, I thought like he was happy enough to eat the shots. I think he was looking to weather the storm, and then come out sort of round three. But I think the eye poke was the t- uh, was the change in the tides. It almost felt like Peter Queedy eye poked him, obviously not on purpose, but eye poked him, and then went. Oh, I don't. I think his vision is impaired now, and sort of went for him a bit, and thinking he might have a bit of success. And that's when Patricky unleashed those bombs on him. Also, Patricky had a lot of time to recover, so it probably actually you know re-energized them excuse the pun and then you know obviously he, he shut shut the show out uh some people said it was an early stoppage but if you from where we were you could actually peter queedy was out like he, he wasn't on steady legs for a solid three or four minutes afterwards but in terms of the lightweight division next i think it will be patricky maybe against aj mckee next that's what that's why i want to see it anyone else any other views i see a I see an issue with that like it is AJ's the featherweight champion and if they make that fight and he goes up and he becomes a lightweight champion then he's like oh I want to go to the UFC now that that <laughs> would present a very big problem to the uh, Bellator so I reckon they might be safeguarding against that because AJ's been very very vocal about wanting to go and sign for the UFC now but uh, as we know promoters they don't really tend to open the gate for their biggest talents to do that kind of thing. No, you know I mean? no. If, if anything, they might, you know, have them sign a contract that, like, traps well, them the he's unaware of. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Nate Diaz. Yeah, exactly. What would you do That's now, PT? I don't know. Um, I haven't really thought about the the, the ramifications outside of uh, outside of the night itself. Is Primus, Primus just coming off a win? Is that is that correct? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's right up there as well. I'd love to see. I, I'm with you. Like I'd love to see the AJ McKee thing. I just, I just don't know if they'll go for it. You know. I think he's brilliant. I think, I think he, he hangs in the UFC when I need the best uh, featherweights in there. I'd, I'd, I'd watch Volkanovski v AJ McKee right now. Um. So that would be great. But will they want to give up that kind of leverage? I, I don't know. Phil, what about yourself? 
one of the things that was very underrated in what Patrick was doing was like, you know, when Peter was defending so well, you know, he was really sort of taking the blows and dodging a lot and wasn't doing much damage. But then Patrick Pitbull started ripping a left-right combination mm. to the body and lads, I was sitting there with tears in my eyes. The mm. first time he did it, and he did it a few times. I'm, like, I can count probably three or four times when he did it. And the force of those punches, mm. and even if you tense your stomach muscles, that's going to take the power out of you, you know? So that, that the recovery time for the eye poke and that kind of thing also certainly played a role there. But those shots were so heavy. And, you know, even if they don't like land on the liver to the point where you'd be knocked out, it's so hard to defend against. And it's natural because the higher up your elbows come, the more you're leaving yourself exposed to that. So I thought that was really clever. I don't think it was part of a game plan. I think that was one of those adjustments that he made on the fly in the cage. And that just shows you the level of fighter that he is. He went, okay. And it's not just one shot. It's two shots. So when he bends to one side to, to cover it, then the other side is open. So that was a really clever thing to do. So, I mean... I don't know. It's like it's really difficult for Bellator because they've they've great depth, right? But the it's very thin at the top. So there's very very few. And now the Queevy has uh, it's one one there, and Connor was, was right about that. It would be good to see. Um, Peter's not getting any younger, but you'd love to see him given like you know six months a year, maybe one or two more fights to see if he can address those holes in his game that had him you know knocked out the other night, and then put the two of them back in there the year eighteen months and run it back. I'll be down for that. Ross, is there any other people on the card that you want to give a shout out to as well or they're really impressed? Yeah, well, I think Kieran Clark was uh, his, his third round comeback. You know I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I had him down two rounds too. Some people had one round, one round apiece. He came back and uh, I think he spent two and a half minutes on his opponent's back and eventually sunk in the rear naked choke. I, I was actually, I was almost getting annoyed at him one stage. I was like, you're doing the same thing over and over again. It's not working, but it eventually did work. And uh, he sunk in the rear naked choke. And like that set the place on absolute wheels. Uh, it was probably the loudest salvation of the night bar. Maybe Peter Queeley as entrance and maybe James Gallagher's, but like that was incredible. And then Danny Nealon was dominant from start to finish. Like, uh, I think, you know, maybe the ref could have stopped a, a punch or two earlier. Danny Nealon was happy to keep going, punching her. She said after the fight, but, uh, I really did think it could get stopped. I think she was begging for a way out. She offered nothing to Danny Neal. It was a, it was a Kazmat-esque performance in one way. It was like 270 strikes to three or something. It was uh, utter domination. And also just a uh, shout-out to Stephen Costello, who was unsuccessful on his professional debut. And then Derek Kelly, whose opponents decided the day before that they saw him at Wayne's and didn't want to fight him. <laughs> Kieran Clark was gas. If you remember that quote, that he it was so good. He said it twice. He said the whole Lahadada had come down to support him, and I was sort of wondering what did he say about the whole Lahadada, and it was fantastic. But like I said, that took the roof off the place. That was, yeah. was that in the prelim card. That was one of the last it, fights of the prelim it was card. The last fight before the main card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was amazing because that really teed everything up then for what happened on the main card. You know. But uh, apropos what you were saying there about the choke, uh, I think it's here on Gracie usually says that there's a window for every submission, and if you have and got it let it go right so the guillotine chokes that james had and you know that rear naked choke that he just kept going for it. we're all sitting there go would you just choke him i want to go to the bar you know and he just couldn't get it done i, I thought the opportunity was gone but he readjusted he took it again now rear naked is different because you're on somebody's back and it's a little bit more dynamic a guillotine choke you're hanging on to it there and all you're doing is tiring yourself out so just let it go but i'm glad he stayed on the back there and he got the win yeah pt any anything from the event that like really stood out for you yeah, I mean, I, I love the event. I guess uh, you were talking about Kieran Clark there, and I was kind of going, "Why isn't this guy opening the main card? Like, what? Like, he has exactly. an amazing, an amazing support there. Like, Bellator would have would have definitely taken notes on that. They're not, they're they're very aware of those kind of things, and they would have noticed that this guy brought a whole army with him from uh, Drogheda, right? Yeah. So, yep. 
what I don't understand is this why is Elias Boulet on the main card? Like, I mean, we've seen this twice now where he comes in and it's not like, an, like I know he's a brilliant kickboxer and he has all these knockouts, but he's always kind of put in this spot. Last time it was a post limb, right? It happened after the main event. And, you know, I just feel like the Irish fans don't really know the story there. They could at least give us something to sink our teeth into with the guy. I know he's working with John, but he's a great kickboxer, but... There's no real narrative there for the Irish fan base yet. I'd love to see them kind of tell us why we should be so more so underline it, make it make it special. But when you have something like here on there that obviously is special, like it's a straight out of the box, let's put him on the main card. I don't know why they didn't go for it. And, he, and he's already shown them that he has this crowd. And he already he has already been known as one of these prospects we've heard about since his teenage years. I, I, I just I, I wondered after the fact when Elias was on, I was like, Jesus, Kieran would have been perfect in that spot. I think there's a sort of a post-pandemic ketchup effect happening there, PT, because we're still only coming out of this with shows there. So, you know, there's all these fighters with big contracts right at the top of the bottle and Bellator are fucking banging the bottom of it and now all of a sudden our sandwich is ruined, you know? And that's what happened there. They ruined the sandwich by putting him on there and Kieran just came out as an afterthought and it's it's terrible. And I think he said it to us as well in the press room. He was going, I should have been on the main card. And there wasn't a journalist there who disagreed with him. Yeah. And the Bellator guys were even standing there going, yeah, that's probably right, all right, you know? But uh, I think he's sort of cemented the status there in Ireland as being a main card fighter from here on in. Uh, oh, sorry, go on, PT. For a bit. There's one thing I think that uh, Bellator need to need to should do because it, it always provokes so much emotion is pitting two Irish guys against each other. Queely and Miles Price wasn't oh. like the most spectacular fight ever, but the atmosphere in the <laughs> arena that night when that night when that fight was happening was unbelievable. Like, look at two guys they cut that would have been absolutely epic is a battle of North Dublin, Kiefer Crosby and Paul Redmond. If that had been like the, the main Jesus. card opener, the place would have just fucking exploded. Oh, and you can oh. see both the lads there. And I actually yeah. want to say fair play to all the, the SBG guys that, you know, have parted ways with Beltor for showing up and supporting their friends. Of course they would have done it. Like, I mean, yeah. it means nothing to them, but it, it does take a lot of heart to go in there after having whatever happened with Beltor themselves and show up and be supportive. I thought that was really cool. But uh, Yeah, especially yeah, seeing all, all, all your ex-employees. Paul Redman and Kiefer on the main card. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love it. And then uh, what's called? I was also thinking um, during the week when Fabian's opponent pulled, like Will Flurry was so unfortunate, me coming off a broken hand because like that was his, his, his moment to get back in there and get that Fabian fight. He has been uh, covering him for so long. And um, Basma, one fight we have not brought in was maybe fight of the night: Pedro Carvalho versus exactly, Daniel yeah. Voichel. What did you think of that one, Basmo? That was, that was absolutely epic. Like, obviously, Pedro was coming in and, he, like, he knew he had to go in and win that to probably keep, stay on the roster. I'm not too sure that, like, you could disagree with that, but he went and won. Not far off, Osmo, not far not off. Not far off, yeah, but then he went in and won and then meeting him after, talking to him after, like, that was a huge pressure on his shoulders and then uh, it was an epic performance and the, the arena blew up as well, so there was a lot of Pedro Carvalho fans leaving that, that arena as well on Friday night. Pete, did you remember when we saw... Effort. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, so I was just uh, like a fight like that we, that we saw before was uh, Daniel Tamer, the Swede. We both saw him fighting here in Stockholm, and he was in the same boat. He was like, You're fighting on this card and you're That's fighting right. for your future. And I remember how emotional he was afterwards. Like, you know, he was sitting there basically sobbing as he was waiting to, to do the press conference. And I didn't make it back in time to see Pedro Cavallo. I don't know. I know you guys were back there. The Energized guys were back there. Was he as emotional when he got back to you guys? He, I, I think it was a big went sense on. of relief. And yeah, time it went a, on. Yeah, he he was uh he was sort of saying um that you know he touched down in Dublin five years ago like th- this month five years ago and like he got the he got 
he flew over and then the train dropped him outside the three arena and he said it was like sort of a you know almost a story come full circle that he got to fight in the arena that he hadn't got to fight in before and <laughs> he, he got mugged outside of five years ago yeah exactly <laughs> and uh he, he was basically saying that uh you know he, he got in there against one of the top talents. It wasn't a flawless performance. You know, he said he's quite critical of himself, but he said, you know, he knows he can hang in there with those type of guys. And like, that meant a lot to him. So look, I'm, I'm looking forward to Pedro's next fight as well. Um, funny enough, though, it, it, on Wednesday on the media day, he said that uh, he was going to go back to uh, what helped him win fights. He stopped a lot of his early uh, pro wins by submission. And I did not see one takedown or submission attempt from Pedro Carvalho in that fight. But Wrong man to start grappling with though isn't he Virgil? Yeah. Jesus Christ absolutely uh, in fairness very impressive to take out a 55 uh, veteran uh, at that stage of Pedro's career he's only what 16 fights pro I think he had two amateur fights as well so like the experience deferential there is massive but uh, Bellator Dublin thank you so much see you in February they've no- not told us anything about their comeback in February I just assume they are that sort of seems to be the way their calendar works we- we've they decided better. now now they're coming back in February because you know what I have a trip booked in February and I'm coming back as well and I expect Bellator to put on show for you I've been here being nice to you all night lads get it sorted but what what if what if around February there's also a very important event for Irish MMA happening in Belfast for a different promotion Cage Warriors those ones are not the same week what I'm if, just saying. I'm just. I, I, I may have been. I'd uh, rather space out the months a bit more for me. I don't know. In fairness, <laughs> I, I may have said it to Reese McKee, being like, "You Paul used John McCulligan on the one card. How epic is that?" Uh, today, you think you're uh, the only person who's been thinking this, Russ. <laughs> no, no. I but I'm like, the only person thinking this. <laughs> when I was like, you're I was, just I was like, pasted you know, Graham Boylan's text now, Russ. He said it to him when they were like, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Ian Dean, what would you think of? <laughs> Give Russ uh, a ring. Then, there. You know what? I might, I might text Dane and we've been like, "What would you think of Conor McGregor?" In Dublin, it could work. Oh no! <laughs> him fighting the main event of a Dad Brooks gig. <laughs> the fifth uh, night. Here we go. Oh geez, the rails over the percentage of who got what. Oh stop! That's that, like needs to say. Friday was absolutely epic. For the people listening, make sure to let us know down in the comments what you thought of the event. And also, we, we made sure to get uh, we have Big John McCarthy and Josh Thompson on our episode three hundred. So when they came over, we gave them a present of some Irish glasses. And if you go into the latest podcast, you can see them wearing it for the first like five minutes. It's absolutely brilliant. So I mean, and they're like Josh team knows, so uh, I don't fraternize with those kind of people. But fair and we're 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 team MMA PT, especially Irish, especially Ooh. you two boys as well. So if you are oh, new to the channel, make sure to like. Now. And subscribe. <laughs> uh, lads, we're going to move into this Friday's Bellator 271 as Ireland's own Sinead Cavan is fighting Chris Cyborg this Friday, the November the 12th in Bellator. Um, like, who wants to kick this one off, lads? I want PT to kick it off. Same. <laughs> <way>. <laughs> PT, what do you make of this event? It's going on Friday. Like, I mean, this is obviously a huge opportunity for Sinead Cavan to put herself on the MMA map as well. Yeah, I think, like, I saw a lot of people given out about this fight and I think it was the fact that they announced Queedy around the same time and everyone's like this is SBG blah 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 but look the Bellator cut a lot of SBG fighters as well I don't feel like that um even though the the card obviously on Friday had a lot of SBG names on it I don't feel like that allegiance is as strong as it once was but Sinead Kavanagh for me I always thought like ever since that fight with Leslie Smith where she was absolutely robbed from that point on I was like if she gets a fight with Cyborg and Cyborg wants to strike with her we have a very interesting fight in our hands. Um, I, I still believe that. I, I think she's a magical fighter when she's striking and she hits her rhythm. She, it's very, very hard to live with her. But my big fear is the fact that Cyborg's secondary skills are wrestling is actually unbelievable as well. 
And if I'm if I'm cyborg and I'm fighting Janae Kavanagh, who's an absolutely beautiful puncher, I'm I'm diving on our legs as soon as we get in there. I'm, I'm diving from the first bell. But I, I do believe that this is a a big big fight for Irish MMA, just like Quidi against Patricky Pipple was. Like we we aren't in these world title conversations very often. I know people hark back to Connor and stuff like that, but that guy's an absolute freak. Like. You know, and I know the comparisons that are there with Ian Gary now, and and you know the media have a big part to play in that. But what what Connor did will likely never be repeated uh, by an Irish person. So for Sinead to go in there and beat one of the greatest pound for pound fighters of all time, it will be one of the most brilliant nights, the most brilliant moments in the history of Irish MMA. And if anyone deserves a big moment, it's probably Sinead. She's done a lot of our work in the dark, as Phil does as well. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a ghost going across Phil's screen there. <laughs> but, my um, daughter was actually in here. We've got all our baggage, so we just came back from Dublin last night, so she was looking for stuff there. So just breeze away. That, that, that's all right. Like You're not being held hostage or anything. <laughs> I've changed my radiator here. You can't see me ankle here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm very excited for it. I, I think um, a lot of people are kind of saying, oh, this is a, a layup for Cyborg. I don't see it like that at all. I think she has as much a chance as anyone in that, on that Bellator roster to beat Cyborg. Ross, I think if you look back at, uh, when, when, sorry for interrupting everybody, but when you look back at, at Cyborg's loss to Amanda Nunes, that was all Nunes boxing. It was that Chris boxing. It was the jab. And if you're going in there against Sinead Kavanagh, there's always... A risk that a fighter like Cyborg goes, okay, you know, it's just a body, as Connor used to say, it's just another person in there, and that she won't do the work, right? Because Sinead is going to do the work, right? And we've heard on the severe MMA interview that she did, and others, and I'm sure she's going to be on this show if she hasn't been already. And like to her, it doesn't matter. You're in there. This is a person who had a child who's uh, the father of the child died when the child was very young. She's been homeless. She's been through absolutely everything. There is no adversity that she can meet in that cage that she cannot deal with because she's been dealing with adversity outside that cage for so long. And then you also have the connection to Kelly Harrington, right? So, you know, we saw in 2014, like, you know, this Irish wave of success that happened then. And, you know, to me, the link between Kelly Harrington's boxing gold at the Olympics and Sinead getting this title fight is stronger than most people probably think, you know? They, they talk to one, one another, they're friends, they go out, they drink coffee, they have the crack together. And I think feeling part of that is giving Sinead the self-belief to go on and to take on this fight because Cyborg is one of the scariest women. I mean, until yeah. Nunes beat her, I don't think we ever expected her to be beaten. And even when Amanda went in there, we thought, oh no, this is the end of the, of the Lioness. Now, Amanda beat her fair and square on the feet. So, you know, I do think that's the key. And as PT said, you know, just try to keep her legs outside the cage if at all possible because if she gets you down, Cyborg, you're in trouble, you know. But if she, if they get into a boxing match, I mean, God, I'd be sticking, but no, we don't bet on fights when we work it, but I'd be sticking tenors on Sinead if this is going to get into a boxing match. She's just, just so I agree with that as well. She's just so physically big, you know, for, for the weight mm. class, for everything. Like, I mean, I always feel like like she has a she has a massive size advantage. She's naturally bigger frame than most of the people she's taken on. So when I mean, you have someone like that on top of you, it's it's horrific. Yeah, I do, I do think um you know, if Kavanaugh can get a sort of a stick and move going on her, you know what I mean? Uh, she really has to show that she is by far the superior boxer. I hope she's working hard in her takedown defense because, as Petey said, uh, I really do think Cyborg does have the advantage to do that. And you know what I mean? George St. Pierre always said he always tried to fight his opponent where he was weakest. And, uh, you know I mean, if, if you want to get Sinead Kavanaugh at, at her weakest, it's on the ground only by uh, the fact that her striking is so strong. Uh, I think it will be very interesting. I think it'll be very interesting, at least for the first two minutes, because Cyborg definitely has an ego about her as well, and she'll think she'll be able to beat her on the feet. So it could be interesting if Kavanaugh could catch her early 
and maybe shut shut out the show early. Um, look, Chris Hoiberg's going to be a huge favorite on this. I don't know what the odds are. I'm sure she's going to be at least a one to ten favorite going into this fight, like she is most for fights. But I think it's also fair to say the best cyborg that existed was prior to Amanda Nunes. I think this cyborg isn't as good. You know what I mean? Like Leslie Smith, she's as tough as old boots and, you know, took cyborg five rounds to get her out of there. Uh, Arlene Blanco, you know, sort of survived two and a half rounds. And uh, I think her opponent, Felicia Spencer, went the distance with her. So, you know what I mean? Like she's not getting people out, out there as short time, space of time as she used to. So, you know, Sinead Canavana, is just as tough as Leslie Smith is, so she's going to be very hard to get out of there. And as long as she's in there, she has very much so a puncher's chance. Can you imagine, lads? I mean, it's one thing losing to Amanda Nunes in the UFC, but if Sinead Kavanagh beats her, the, the legend is kind of over there, you know. Don't they? And you know, we all know it's a very short window in MMA and the, the physical shape that you have to be in. But if Sinead was to beat her in a boxing match and try to stay off the floor, that that could kind of be the end. Now she'll always be in Bellator. There'll always be a market for a cyborg fight somewhere. With that whole aura of you know, the, the, like you just can't beat this woman. That's gone if Sinead could do it. And it also sets Sinead up. That's that's it. I mean, she's you know co-main event fighter in the US for until such time as she loses the belt. You know, so I mean, that'll be a fantastic thing for her career. Or she could be the main event in Dublin. Oh, Is easy! You? Oh my! Can you imagine? Can you imagine the three arena if Sinead was fighting a title fight on home turf? Oh man, that would be something special. The rematch. Yeah, to make oh. sure nothing. <laughs> I did, did you get a job at Bellator last week? I mean, you keep coming up with these brilliant ideas. I oh, was a cage warriors. I don't know. It's, it's like Ross is the other consultant for fight cards. You know? He's making all these great fights. You know what? I just have all these guys and I just text them my ideas and they give me no money for them. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's, that's like how PT started in this business. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you can't win this Bellator 271, Cabinet versus Cyborg, this Friday, November the 12th. Um, we're all going to be back in Sinead Cabinet to win the, to win the title this weekend as well. I just actually cannot wait for that. Um, if you are new to the show make sure to like comment and subscribe because we're going to move into the UFC right now lads okay so UFC 268 was live from Madison Square Garden on Saturday and Ireland's Ian Gary won by KO in round one and remains undefeated Roscoe what did you make of that performance Ireland is back in the UFC with a win yeah well uh, I thought the finishing shot was darn near perfect it reminded me of uh, McGregor's finisher over Ivan Bunchinger um, it, it was beautiful and uh, I thought he nailed the post fight um, afterwards I thought his promo was absolutely brilliant as as the Conor McGregor think it was brilliant due to his Twitter voice notes afterwards which I think are something that uh, all the world needs to hear Twitter voice notes are, are brilliant the first one, definitely the first one the first, yeah, one. The first one. two and three <laughs> were a bit more them, you know? yeah. <laughs> second and third were uh more kind of talk about himself again but uh you know it was a noisy insight it, it, felt, it felt like you were reading someone's text messages in, in its own right it was a it was a funny one but uh i ter- i thoroughly enjoyed it one way i enjoyed having my nose there but um yeah obviously i think it's for the first time in Ian's career he felt the moment get to him you could see in the walkout he didn't sing a song as much as he normally did he didn't have as much swagger of a he didn't have of, the Irish uh, flag either no he didn't walk out the Irish flag he didn't um sort of dance as much as he normally does to the ring. He also wore all the gear, which uh, I don't see many fighters wear, like the full tracksuit uh, and uh, shoes and top. But uh, apparently... serious observation here from Jesus. Yeah, well, well, tracksuit. Must, must have been freezing yeah. in there. Like, I mean, electricity's not very expensive, so um, MSG uh, turned off the heat. You, and you, Florida, now, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but uh, apparently Barnett said beforehand that it was freezing, and that's why he did his little breakdance uh, going to the ring to warm up, which was... 
for me, performance of the night, Barnett was uh, <laughs> it was the great what's called his walkout, his spin and wheel kick, and then his front flip was probably like it it, it go, should go into UFC Hall of Fame in its own right. But uh, back to Ian Gary, I thought it was, I thought it was in terms of level of performance, I'd probably give it a five or a six. Level the finish, I give it a nine, and then the post fight. Uh, I give it a nine as well. Him and Joe Rogan, which is probably a cool moment for him as well, because like I know if I was standing there next to Joe Rogan, I'd be like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, PC, you were obviously live on the green room with Ariel uh, Journey in, in Gary's fight. Um, like, what did you make of the overall performance as well? I was Shout really out to the MMA ringer. <laughs> I, was, I was I was really uh, worried earlier on when he was getting clipped a bit, um, and he was coming out of the exchange with his head chin up in the air, straight back. I was going, "Jesus, this is this is exactly what Jordan Williams wants," you know. And yeah. it was very funny because. Uh, <laughs> Ariel just said to me just before the finish, he just goes, so, uh, you know, maybe we, we haven't really seen this before uh, from Ian. And then just, oh, <laughs> he just KO'd him. So, uh, yeah, look, it, it wasn't about the performance. It, it was about getting the getting the, the train rolling with the UFC. And he did that perfectly. He, um, from the knockout punch to his post-fight interview to then Connor verifying him online like the way he did. Um, it, he knocked it out of the park. Um, that's what that's what that event was for. That was what the opponent was for. That was for all the media spots he was put in. That's what he was there to do, to get a big viral moment finish, make another viral moment in the post-fight interview. And then obviously, I, I can't stress how important that moment is from Connor. Like, and I think Connor will see Ian as like a, he is a media sweetheart at the moment. He's reinvigorating this Irish passion for mixed martial arts. He's as valuable to like Connor's as valuable to Ian as Ian is valuable to Connor. I think like he honestly like if, if he can kind of attach himself to that story, I fully expect them to train together. I fully expect to see pictures of them together very soon. Um, and I think that will kind of, you know, a rising tide lips all ships kind of situation. I think um, that will really get the Irish fans buzzing. Um, but in terms of first step in the UFC, he absolutely knocked it out of the park, I think. Yeah, Phil, how important was it for Phil? I was just going to ask PC if he doesn't think that, like, you know, if if you're tying your fortunes to Connor, right, because we know how erratic Connor can be at the moment, Connor may never come back. There's no need for him financially to come back, if what I've heard is correct, right? So if you're that tied to him, that, like, you know, we saw what happened with James Gallagher coming up in Bell, oh, he's just a Connor wannabe, right? And Ian talks in the same way as Connor with the same self confidence. And I was thinking that I would like, you know, if I was his manager, I would have said do exactly the opposite. Not that he wouldn't give respect to Connor because Connor paved the way for every but at the same time maybe tone it down just a little bit and become his own man in the way that Paddy Pimblett has become because now Paddy has done a deal I think with Barstool Sports and he's his own guy he's not yeah. dependent on anybody else but the risk of, of being too close to Connor is that you just become I think was it Chris Avila was in with uh, Nate Diaz crew and now nobody even remembers the bloke's name kind of thing you know and yeah. that was the, the, the worry for me that I would have loved to have seen him come out in that uh, interview with Joe Rogan and you know he talked about himself as the future before uh, just into the camera that was following him after the victory, right? And I thought that was brilliant. But you know, when he went back to the winner here to take part, winner here, that, yeah. for me, you shouldn't be reading the old chapter, you should be writing the new one, you know. And there was a chance there that you know, if they had a thought about it, that they could have said, you know, like the Irish are back is obviously a great line, but and you know, again, I don't want to sound disrespectful to what Connor has done for Irish MMA or for what he's done in the UFC, but just from a sort of a brand building perspective or a profile yeah. building perspective, you know, standing your own two feet. No, I could be completely wrong, I could be really no. completely wrong. I'll, I'll I'll tell you, Phil. Like the reason why I was very excited about Ian, um, you know, from from very early on, 
is because I felt like he was nearly like a tonic to McGregor. Like he was a different kind of guy. He's very wholesome, very, um, like, you know, he, he's a different kind of guy when you talk to him. He's very um, forthcoming. He He's very personable, like, you know, very eager nearly. Like, you know, that that's what I liked about him. I felt like everybody, you know, He's a far more approachable face for uh, MMA than, say, Connor was at certain points during his career. And the comparisons are so obvious that I don't think they need to be highlighted as much. But I can understand showing up on Fight Week and the UFC have given you all of this stuff. All of their promos are, <laughs> are pulling back to the McGregor thing. Like, yeah. I feel like you got to give the guy a pass for the first one, right? Because that was what that's the UFC machine as well as him. I didn't look like, you know, he's leaned into it a lot. And yeah, yeah, yeah I, I kind of see where you're coming from there. But I feel like for the first fight to get his name out there, it was probably a necessary evil. But from here on out, will, will we continue to see it? I, I already see people saying the same stuff. And, and I guess for us who've been covering MMA um, so long, we've seen so many of the next Conor McGregor. The next yeah. Conor McGregor, every manager, when they're pitching you a fighter, like this guy's the next Conor McGregor. I'm not saying I never got an email off Ian's management to say that, but it, it's kind of... It's old half for us now, and I think it's old half for the fan base. Like we don't want a guy to say the same lines. We don't want a, the 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 guy to just be hitting us with all the the Connor playbook, so to speak. Um, I even saw people talking about that with the the suit. Remember, Connor had the the stuff written into his suit in New York. Ian has the suit, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll give him the pass for this one because I think it actually worked in his favor. But we'll have to see how he goes on from here on out. Baz, from a brand, how do you think Ian did? As yeah, being I, Gary Brand. Yeah, I actually I understood both points that Phil and PT made there. I like I thought it was great the way Ian got in, got the win, like said this stuff to Connor, let everyone know that the Irish is here to take take over. And then I, I thought he did I thought it was brilliant. I'd like obviously after he admitted that it wasn't the best performance, but I mean as he said, twenty three making his UC debut in Madison Square Garden, like this is a huge opportunity. Like when that fight was made, I just couldn't believe it was such a huge opportunity for an Irish person because you're looking at some of the other guys. Like yeah, Irish people never get any the... opportunities in exactly. the UFC. No, no, but uh, yeah, <laughs> the way the way the way Reese got thrown under the bus with Chimaev, I was oh, like, yeah. right, thank yeah. God, like Ian's in here now with. But like, that's an actual... actually like that. It's that yeah. obvious, right? Like Joy Herbert gets uh, Trinaldo. Yeah. Mason Jones gets Davies. Um, Reese gets Hamza Chimaev. Like it's this is a different pair of gloves they're wearing for Ian Gary, and that's yeah. great. That's great. That yeah, shows definitely. they're really um they're really kind of behind him. Like I expect a very slow build for Ingary, and I think that's that's perfect. That's what every fighter would really like, you know. Like I'm not getting thrown to the Lions here immediately. Um, I expect we won't even know his next opponent. Like we've probably never heard of him, you know. He, you should fight perfect. that guy who um, Ezekiel dos Santos like battered. You should fight him next, Ben Moore, <laughs> I think crazy. whatever his name was. Um, or I if, you, if you really want to, that's after that. <laughs> that was... Jesus, a PT had to cheat to call me a hipster. Fucking hell! <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think I, I think what the interesting one could be is you fight the the up and coming superstar uh, litmus test in Bar- Brian Barberena. I always think that's a that's a always a good fight for someone who's new. I wouldn't touch him off Barberena at the moment. Yeah, but I, I think that's always the litmus test. Like if you could beat Barberena, yeah, you can do it. Down the line. He could do it. it. It's just like I think it could be even slower than that, you know. And and if it's slower and you're getting the same money to fight these guys, why not? You're 23. 
You know, that, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say, Pete. If you look at Paddy Pimblett, uh, had a sort of a baptism of fire as well. Now, both of the men won on their UFC debuts, right? But I think they realized that the level of competition is not just a little bit higher, it's a lot higher than Cage Warriors. And, you know, there's nothing like we say to kids who are competing in Jiu Jitsu for the first time, right? Now you're going to find out how bad you are, right? You're going to see all the holes in your game because no matter what it is, it, the fight's going to wind up there, right? If you're terrible at defending with somebody on your back, that's where the fight's going to be because that's just what happens, you know? And Ian found himself working against people with you know much better hand speed than what he's seen in the gym or or in the or in cage warriors before and the same thing went for Paddy's like guys you've got to raise your game here and I'd say Ian can't wait to get back into the gym because that's the kind of thing that you realize okay this is jeopardy now things could go really really wrong one or two of those shots could have clipped him a little bit harder he could have wound up on his knees and things could have been very very different uh, in Madison Square Garden for him on Saturday night and I hope that you know and I'm sure he does have the humility and the sort of professional awareness to go and do that I know Paddy will has the same thing. I think he, he may have said it to you, PT, that he's going back there and he's going to take his time. As PT was saying, you're not going to go in there and start fighting a shark tank for the same money, you know, if you're getting 40 grand or whatever. You know, if you're trying to build a career at the age of 23, as Ian is trying to do, you don't want those fights just yet. And I hope as well that the UFC are notorious for rushing people into these things as well, as yeah. they did with Reese McKee, which is, you know, that was the most criminal thing I've ever seen, throwing him in there against Hamsat just because he was the only one to answer the fucking phone and then cutting him. You know, that was a disgrace. <laughs> Yeah, ten fight veteran. After you lose the Hamzat, like it's nearly and like Alex Morono. After that, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, ten fight yeah, USD veteran, you know, like a guy, guy, guy who's so experienced. It's like I don't know which one I'd actually prefer if it was a debut approach. You know what I mean? Do you want this uh, surging hot prospect, or do you want this guy who knows the cage inside out? Uh, I, I think in hindsight, no one wants Chimaev. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. But I mean, it's just two nightmare matchups, like two two back to back absolute shite matchups. Unbelievable. Together. Yeah. yeah, well, the, the yeah, thing well, is, the great thing, the great thing for Ian's win as well, well, coming off the James and uh, Peter losses, it was great that like we got like we fought, we got a big win over the weekend as well. Ross, you want to have the final word in the Ian Gary uh, fight because there is more fights to talk about as well. I just think it's great that he won, uh, as Pete said. You know, like you'll give him the pass on you know anyone like saying he lent into the McGregor too much. I think it was, as you said, a necessary evil. I think he has to do it. I think he needs to get his name out there as much as possible right now. And that's the perfect way to do it. And uh, I can't wait to see who's the next Irishman to follow him in there. I think it could be potential uh, cornerman of the year, uh, 2021, Paul Hughes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, big, big point in Belfast. And then yeah. Uh, okay. Other fights on the card. PT, what, 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 what fight do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about? Oh, I mean, what, what fight possibly jumped out on Saturday night? I think I know. Oh, my that. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> It was the okay. blood sacrifice and the blood orgy that was Justin Cagey with Michael Chandler. Okay, I, felt, I was stressed out. I was literally like watching it like drained, sweating. I felt like I was after watching like something for like 35 minutes. I was yeah, and so... it was still three minutes to go in round one when you felt like that. <laughs> Mate, I, I just, Chandler like doesn't lose any fans off that. Like, I mean, no, only it more and more people love him. There was there was this moment and I was talking talking about Chuck with it. Uh, talking to Chuck Mendenhall about it in the third round and it's like he's been doing it for the whole fight right like Gaethje catches him with a shot that would knock out a cow and, and, and Chandler's walking towards him just hands down like I'm still here Gaethje was just kind of battering him back for the whole fight but there's this moment when I knew it was going to go to the decision in the probably the last minute of the third because it was that crazy like where you were like this could go this could stop at any stage where Chandler once again puts his hand down and walks towards him and he says something and it's just like Gaethje was like alright fair enough 
I think I've won. I think I've done enough to win this right now. Because <laughs> it was it was absolutely mental. And and I think what made it amazing was it's nearly similar to Ian. Like there was so much expectation on Ian to go in and, and do what he did on, on Saturday night. There was even more expectation on these two guys to go in and put on one of the greatest fights ever. Like imagine that the fights booked and people yeah. are like. This is going to be one of the greatest fights ever. And you're like, how, how can you just say that? But it really is. It really was. And it was, I'll never forget watching it. I'll never, get, that was the one moment I have to say, I wish I was in MSG that night where I was like, holy shit, oh. that, that is just epic. I'm not going to lie. Watching around. the fight, watching the fight, I actually thought Michael Chandler did a bad job of trying to win the fight. But I felt the entire fight, Michael Chandler was trying to make it the most exciting fight as possible. And it he was like, it doesn't matter really if I win. No, it wasn't. It was about much more than that, I think. It was. That's exactly. I mean, it was like watching a farmer hitting a badger with a shovel and it just won't go away, <laughs> you know? And, and this, that was what made it so brilliant. And, you know, I don't care. Put that loss on his record. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in losing that fight. You've given us one of the greatest fights we've ever seen in this cathedral of fighting. It was just amazing. And as PC was saying, I think at the end, uh, I think they were they were shouting um, something very rude at Chandler at one point. But I think by the end, everybody in that building was just delighted for the two of them. That was an epic battle together i think that should be the first time ever they called for an encore in uh in fighting <laughs> one more round one more yeah. round. and they probably would have given it to us <laughs> it yeah, PC, where, where did boatman go from here because boatman's stock has like risen and uh what would you like to see both guys do next look i, I thought they were going to be snookered beforehand because when dana was asked about islam makashev at the press conference he just went quiet and let the other two lads be like no we're definitely getting the next shot but, in fairness, it was, your mom was a bit of a clown box asking the question, so can't remember. I just blocked them out now at this stage. But uh, <laughs> the, he, the Dana White privilege in the question, Dana White was oh, like, hey, "What's hey. wrong with you?" But <laughs> what Gaethje did that night for what what he did, he, he deserves to get the shot. I don't care if he's on a one fight win streak; he deserves to get the shot after putting on something like that. That so many other fights and fighters will never reach that kind. I, I don't even know how to describe it. What, what I was watching, like, but it's seen so rarely it's so primal and um yeah i i, I think 100 percent give it to gaethje now i know there's uh, always was, a lot of reasons he biased though right but he was also well? oh, sorry. yeah no yeah. I, was, I was just going to put in there lad i was going to say that gaethje was also the dance partner when the ufc and khabib like sort of you know assured his legacy for all time right gaethje went in there as the unstoppable force and got submitted and that was it you know so he's already played his part if he's a company man he's done what they've asked him to do he's gone in there they call him the highlight there's a reason for that so he goes in there against khabib okay loses the fight but he does so with dignity then he goes in he puts on this wall with chandler and i mean i thought his boxing was incredible his uh, his wrestling his takedown defense was absolutely immense as well give the guy the goddamn title shot you know makachev's gonna be around for years right but just give this boy the, the, the chance but since you're asking barry about chandler i think chandler didn't he put up a tweet today of like you know like a photoshop stare down of him and connor at some time in the spring yeah. i don't know if i want to see that but i mean i've seen worse fights <laughs> i suppose what do you think pc i'd say connor would love it uh because you think so because the height it's like mendez again isn't it the height discrepancy he'd love that he like i mean he's so long as it is and he's so powerful like fighting a guy who he knows is going to come forward you know, and, and try to, to put it on him. I'd say Connor loves that fight, but how's his leg? You know, it's kind of it's not the same Connor. You know, that's that's. But it's yeah. also a guy. It's also a guy who has shown that you can clip him, and he's not going to go down because KG hit him hard, yeah. several times. There must have been a dozen yeah. punches that would have, like you said, PJ, would have knocked out a horse. And uh, you know, is Connor ready to go in there with somebody who's going to take some putting away? I mean, you, you want to go armed into that fight. 
what did he call himself? He called himself a, the the monster shot or the the one shot monster. Is that what he's called yeah. now? Yeah, he's the one shot yeah. monster now. So uh, I think he backed himself to knock knock out those horses. I just call him Connor. Jeez. <laughs> we go feel... back a long way since VT. <laughs> what, what other fight in the card really impressed you as well, Phil? Oh, God, let me see, because I ended up watching them after the fact. And I'm trying to think of what I mean, that one just stuck out. That one just took yeah, my breath on. away completely, you know. Um, like I thought Usman was interesting, but not in the same way, you know. And I mean, no disrespect to the goats, you know, but George St. Pierre's certain fights were so tactical that, you know, you can see the art in what they're doing, right? But this is like the difference between listening to classical music and listening to ABBA, you know. The ABBA thing is going to get you out of your seats. The classical music you can appreciate, you know. So, um, Colby Covington, he rose in my estimation, despite the fact that I hate that stick you know the whole MAGA bullshit that's been going on with now for years but he actually did I thought I'm never going to like this bloke I'm never going to respect him but I thought that the way he bounced back you know the, it's never in your game plan to get knocked down twice in a few seconds in the second round nobody they'll tell you they have that nobody has that tactic lads and the way he was able to come back from that I thought was really good and the way he was able to clip Usman a few times we haven't seen Usman fighting out of adversity that way but Usman still managed to manage the fight all the way through so it was an interesting fight from a tactical perspective but I think you know, the people's main event was Gaethje against Chandler. I mean, I will go to my grave. That's up there with Robbie Lawler against um, oh, Rory, McDonald. Rory McDonald for me. Like, that was just... And I'm, like, literally, you, you didn't have time to draw breath. You know, it was like when I'm in the dentist chair and I never breathe at all, you know, for 15 minutes. It was incredible. <laughs> Ross, what did you make of Kamaru Usman's win as well? And is he your pound for pound number one as well? At the moment, yeah, he's definitely my pound for pound number one. I think he, I think he is the best fighter on the planet. Um, I thought he was incredible in the first round. I thought he was incredible in the second round. Like th- those two rounds were clear as day. Uh, Colby Covington come back out in the third and fourth round almost reminded me of Bisbing against uh, Anderson Silva. You know what I mean? Like he got his absolute block knocked off and then you know survived and then came back out and like won the next two rounds. I thought that was very very impressive. And then obviously, I think round five, it was been sort of kicked it up a gear but I almost thought you know Usman should have maybe pushed for that finish more in the third I thought he really let Colby properly recover he didn't you know chase him down for that finish but look it was a great fight Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a trilogy down the line you know if Colby gets two or three wins and Usman's still rocking there as the welterweight champ who knows but uh, I I believe uh, Leon Edwards should be next and then after that I believe he will face Boars at some stage, he'll face the most evil man to ever step foot inside the octagon in Kazmat Shemaev. I think Leon gives him a good go. I really, really, when I'm when I was looking at that fight on on Saturday night, I was saying, Pete, did you not see he lost the last minute against Nate Diaz? He has no chance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Leon, Leon's a, a better, much better striker, I think, than it was and Colby. Much better, he's faster, he's fast, yeah. that, and he's, that's, that's, more, he's more. Why, like everything seems smoother when he's doing it. His jab is better than both theirs. Um, I, I think if Usman is going to beat him, he has to wrestle, just wrestle the life out of him. And, and Leon now is a way different fighter than he was when they first fought. And we've seen that against like significant tests, shutting down big takedowns. Like, I mean, that's that's what that fight's going to be all about to me the first takedown. Same with Sinead, to be honest, and Cyborg, because I feel like Cyborg will try to take her down. and it's all about that first takedown. Can they break the heart? If you can stop that first takedown, it's a huge psychological win. And I really believe Leon's going to put on a show against Masvidal and then prove a lot of people wrong, whether it's win or lose against Usman. I can't wait to see that. Uh, Masvidal takes on Edwards at UC 269. Uh, lads, we definitely have to touch on the women's 
uh, strawway title fight as well as Rome. Rose Namayun has retained her title against Weili Zhang by a split decision. Um, lads, did you all agree that Rose won? I thought it was very close. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was. You would have understood if I had gone the other way as well. You know, yeah. like it was by no means dominant. It wasn't, you know, one of those like a split decision sounds about right to me. You know, but I mean, you could have seen it go either way, really. But I like, I just, I have a soft spot for Rose. It's just her story and the way she is as a person is something that appeals to me. She's a very different character in MMA. She's not at all, you know, this uh, Ian Gary, Conor McGregor, Paddy Pimblett type outside the cage. Like, I'm, I'm just amazed that she even can muster up this and the courage to get in there sometimes because she's so quiet and she's so soft spoken. But she's just amazing when she gets in there. And I think, you know, we we like I don't know if she gets the, the props that she deserves for her technical fighting, for the way she manages distance, it's just you know, it's incredible. And you know, for her boxing skills, the way she she fights a lot behind her jab and that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean it was close, but it was a great result for that division because you know it, it like in certain divisions like Usman, Usman is just so far ahead of everybody else at the moment, or that's the way it feels. It's kind of like, okay, who's next? And, you know, who's he going to polish off next? Whereas, you know, in the women's divisions, and the other women's divisions, of course, Amanda Nunes holds two belts, you know? So that being a little bit closer now, you can start to see other alternatives. You can see other fights for Rose that are there that are interesting. Whereas, you know, Amanda Nunes, who's she got next on uh, December 11th? Is it Jessica I, no? No, uh, no. Juliana Pena. I always mix those two up for some reason. But yeah, so and you kind of can't see Amanda. Like, Amanda would have to do something grievously wrong to lose that fight. That's just the feeling you have now before you see them on fight week or whatever. But that's, she's just, you know, on paper so much the better fighter. So for, you know, for, for, for Rose, I think, you know, it, it just looks a whole lot more interesting now, the fact that she retained the belt. Ross, who does Rose take on next then, in your opinion? Well, I, I think it's the perfect narrative. You, you go back to the inaugural straw right world title fight between Carlos Sparza and Rose Namajunas, the one which Carlos Sparza won. And now they go back to that fight. You have Rose Namajunas coming in as the champion now, and Carlos Sparza as the contender. So I think um, that's the fight to make. It's I think it's plain as day. You know what I mean? Uh, put it this way: I think Wei Li Zhang could go and win one fight and maybe back in a title fight uh, again. Who knows? Um, maybe her against uh, Jessica Andrade again could be a fight that they might run back because um, that one ended very, very fast. So I think I'd definitely be interested in seeing those two matchups. Maybe they even do them on the same car, but I think the Cookie Monster uh, definitely deserves a title shot, and that's who I want to see. Okay, lads, just before we wrap things up, who else on the card do you want to give a shout-out to? Obviously, Trevor Whitman comes off the card just like, well, like 3-0, and unbelievable. But uh, who else on the card really impressed you as well? Uh, Ross, we'll go first with yourself. But... Um, for me, I'm actually going to say um, Cheeto Vera. Uh, I know Frankie Edgar is a bit longer in the tooth, but I, I was actually very impressed with the amount of kicks that Cheeto Vera threw at Frankie Edgar, considering he was such a good wrestler. And then to finish it with that front kick as well was uh, very impressive. I, I thought that fight was brilliant, to be honest. And I Where they caught Frankie Cheeto... Edgar's face? Yeah, it was like it was like it was like a toe into like that part, like where your tongue is almost. It was uh, it was a beautiful it was a beautiful shot. But you know he was throwing those kicks all fight, which is quite a dangerous tactic against someone who's quite as good a wrestler. And you know Frankie Yeager probably top five pound for pound level changers in MMA history. So uh, f- shout out to Cheeto Vera, PT, uh, Pereira. Um, I thought he was amazing, brilliant KO in his debut. Guy coming from the kickboxing world. Was taken down, then switched flying knee. Beautiful. Uh, Chris Curtis as well made his debut against Phil Hawes. Big underdog fighting in a weight division. He usually doesn't compete. That comes in again, chasing at the start, then big left hook knockout. And uh, also uh, Imavov from MMA France. Factory in, in, Par- in Paris. 
Fernand Lopez is one of the best coaches in the world. I saw Ariel tweeting about it the other day, acting like he's the first person to say that in the world. Oh, that's always at it. Always at it. That, you know, he's that presenter the MMA oh, or, you know, oh, the Canadian. Oh, 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 oh is, that, is, that, is that the lad who does the MMA ringer show with Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll? That, well, yeah. no, he's he's just a key boy there. He won't last long in this business. <laughs> he's all yeah. He's always he's stealing my shit. You know what I mean? Like, but Fernand is is unbelievable, and people don't give him. They never gave him credit for Ngannou the first time. It was all about Ngannou getting to that title shot. Like he literally took this guy out of a, a homeless shelter and made him a UFC heavyweight contender who went on to be a champion. And now he's done it with Cyril Gann, whose reason for taking up combat sports was because he couldn't play basketball anymore because he worked at the weekends. That is literally why <laughs> Cyril Gann is a fighter now. He, he was like, oh, what sport will I play? I can't I can't compete at the weekends because I'm working. Like, oh, have you tried Muay Thai? Oh, I'll give it a go. World champion in two years. Now he's a interim heavyweight champion of the UFC. And they walk by each other at the weekend, Petey. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, oh, my God. Do the everyone, Everyone's telling me, oh, Petey, you're making a big thing out of this. Am I? Am I? No. It looked a bit he rehearsed. Hates them. It looked a bit yeah. rehearsed. That was very WWE. I used to play them WWE. Yeah, but you, back uh, in the day, str- like, and then doing it pan <laughs> back to them. Just standing there being like... In fairness, Francis no sold them, and then like you know, Sarah Graham was like, "I'm going to get you." It was it, it was very WWE. Fernand, they just started laughing. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, what about yourself? Feel a little bit. What about yourself? Any uh, any mentions? I, I can't mention anybody because Petey just mentioned them all. Yeah, so I'm going right. to, yeah. to have to go back to, to Vera. I thought Vera was really, really clever. When you look back at that fight, when you watch it live, it's one thing. But when you look back at the fight, it's a different. You can actually see that that knockout was kind of there all along. And he was trying with knees and he was trying with straight kicks up the front as well. And eventually it just worked, you know. And it's it's a bit of a shame. You wouldn't have thought that somebody like Frankie Edgar would be working these things out as he's going along, you know. Because, you know, we saw Chandler change his stances because he's getting the leg kicked off by Gaethje. That's a pretty obvious adjustment that you've got to make in a certain fight. But I would have thought that Frankie Edgar would look at this and go, hang on a second, there's jeopardy there, right? If he's coming at me with his hips sort of straight on, then I've got to watch out for that. And he didn't. And he paid the price, which is kind of sad for somebody who's been around as long as Frankie Edgar. When did he make his debut? 2000 seven something like that it's a long time ago so so whereas i I was a little bit disappointed him i thought vera was very very clever because you know he was he was switching it up the whole time you know sometimes he's going with the foot sort of with the toes pointing upwards sometimes he's just going forward sometimes he went with the knee but eventually he knew he was going to land something there and he did and it won the fight and i just thought that was that was you know the cleverest sort of fight iq that i saw on the night Uh, what about you basmo I have to give a shout out to Bobby Green defeating Aloy Quinta. The funny thing was, if you oh, noticed yeah. as well, Dean Thomas kept uh, like coming in during the fights and explaining what was going on. And he was saying that Aloy Quinta can't, won't be able to see the overhand right. And as he said it, knocked out. And if you watch back as well, Joe Rogan called Ian Gary's shot as he did it as well. So that was twice I saw like in and like in the middle of the action, someone calling the shot just as it happened. I mean, it could have happened yeah. as well on the card, but I noticed twice. Are media members complimenting the commentary team here? This is very rare. Oh my god. Uh, sure, look, we're different on we're different on uh, this show. We we say the hate for elsewhere, you know what I mean. And then it's sorry, honest, I, I, I never get that. I go online every weekend and I see so many people giving out. I barely listen to the commentators. <laughs> like I don't know. It's just, to, to be honest, I, I only ever give out about something if like it like really annoyed me, like really annoyed me. Otherwise, I'd be like, it doesn't matter. I, I have friends who commentate on sport and they go, oh, you know what you think? I didn't even fucking hear you, man. I was yeah. there right away. I was doing. <laughs> I have no idea what what you said. You're great. Well done. Well done. Well done. Okay, <laughs> that, that, I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put this all on the spot as well before we get into oh, UFC no. Vegas 42 main event. Which event was better, UFC two, sorry, UFC 268 or Bellator Dublin? Ross, you go first. Oh. Um, and let us look, know in the comments as well. Look, I'm not gonna lie. 
the better fights to watch were UFC 268, undeniable. You had some the best moments of the year. But being live at an event in Dublin is something that you can't replicate. It's something that you can only experience. It doesn't matter how many of those Bellator Dublins I go to. Each time it gets the chills right down my spine and Bellator Dublin is where it's at. PT? Well, I mean, UFC 268 is a better event. Like, it's two, <laughs> two world title fights on the guard uh, as opposed to one on the, the Bellator card. But, um, and a lot more fights that people around the world are invested in. I mean, we. Ca- I thought Bellator Dublin was amazing. I loved it, but 268 was an unbelievable card and it absolutely delivered too. So, I mean... I, I feel like I feel like I need to break it up here a bit. You said Bellator Dublin, I'll say UFC two six eight. <laughs> what about yourself, Phil? You look, you... Um, well, if they're going to go, he, like uh, PT went for UFC, uh, Rosa went for for Bellator. I'm going to say that the fans were the real winners this week, lads. We got to see Amen. absolute bl- brilliant fights, and we also got to see the greatest atmosphere that you will ever get in sports anywhere, which is the three arena on a fight night in Dublin. I mean. As we were saying, you know, the quality of the fights, the, the technical aspect of it, um, UFC 268, hands down. But, you know, there's just something about this sport. You just can't beat heart. You can't beat the love of a local crowd. You can't beat people getting behind somebody that they know that they might have worked. You can't beat half a drawda getting a bus down to Dublin and, you know, taking their lives in their hands to do so. And then, you know, back at a man in Kieran Clark who goes out and wins for them. You know, this is why we do this. This is why we want to tell these stories. We want to see these fighters. And it doesn't matter sometimes whether you win, lose or draw. It doesn't matter if it's a boring fight with loads of fighting up against a cage and that kind of thing. It's just getting behind people. So, you know, I just think that we're, you know, we're privileged to see everything we saw this weekend. Yeah, Earth Yeah, that sounded more like a sermon at mass yesterday than a podcast for a Monday night, but I'll leave it at that. No, I've seen actual cool fights, like like literal cage fights in Earth and I Club and Rada. Yeah, you can't pay it. <laughs> literally they have a cage sponsor. in the middle of the nightclub and they've had fights there. It's yeah, I've seen it in the Roy venue. It's mad, mad crack. Yeah, I've never. I went, didn't go to the Roy venue once. Now, oh, you're too big. To in fairness, this weekend was like the Super Bowl for Irish MA and Barton's leaving certain nights. And Baz, but before we go, I just want to give one last shout out to uh, Chris Barnett. Like, man, that man is just electric. I wish he fought on every UFC card ever. If you haven't seen that walkout, you haven't seen the knockout, and then if you don't know what Chris Barnett looks like, and he's able to do a front flip. He's magic. He's he, he'll forever hold a place in my heart. That fella. But lads, just before we wrap things up, I'm just gonna have a, have a quick look at UFC Vegas 42 Holloway versus Rodriguez this Saturday. Uh, Holloway's taking on Rodriguez. Like I don't know what Yair's really doing. He's like fighting, not fighting, fighting, not fighting. Max, he's taking on Max Holloway. What are you expecting this Saturday, Ross? I expect Max Holloway to go out there and put on a Max Holloway show. I expect him to punch Yair Rodriguez either 5,000 times or I expect Yair Rodriguez to fall down. There's one or two options when you're fighting Max Holloway. Uh, Yair has plenty of uh, you know flashy tricks and kicks, but uh, I don't see it working against Max Holloway. You know what they say, to be the best, you got to beat the best, and the best is blessed, baby. And the best right now, P.T. Carroll is looking at his phone going, I can't even remember who's on this card. So he's having a sneak peek down there to see if he can... It's okay. Well, it. that, was actually, that was actually... I have the fight here, actually. <laughs> it was called a, a very scary email. But um, was it my turn or is it yours, Phil? <laughs> no, it's yours now. I always put you on the spot there, pal. It's all yours. <laughs> uh, I think Max Holloway is much better for it than Yari Rodriguez. Um, I think he's absolutely brilliant. 
it's it's a good clash of of styles though because on the inside you're not going to beat Max Holloway, but on the outside aces are fucking wild with this cat. Like you know what I mean, he can <laughs> he can throw anything at you, and as we saw against um, Korean Zombie, he can do it in the last second of fights as well. I think it's a really fan friendly fight. Um, in a way, Holloway's risking everything. This yeah. is the guy that obviously it's in a weird situation because he's had two fights with Volkanovski, two fights which a lot of people thought he won, especially the second one. Um, he's putting all all the his marbles on the table essentially going in against Yair Rodriguez here. So it's interesting in that element, but I, I really can't see anything other than a, a Holloway clinic on the night, to be honest. What do you like, it's Shelko? amazing to see somebody like that, um, you know, Max Holloway climbing the mountain again. It seems like he's been around forever and he's had so many chances to get in there. And that's what this is about. It's one of those UFC cards where this is like a clear out card. It's like, okay, we'll put all these fights on and these people will be contenders and the rest of you are going to get cut. And that's what this card kind of feels, or not cut necessarily, but, you know, you drop down, uh, you're going to be fighting on the, the UFC fight pass prelims and that kind of thing. That'll be your next step. Whereas Holloway, you would expect that, you know, I think he can see the end of the road now. I, I can't think, I can't imagine imagine that there's five years left of him fighting it's just it's so difficult to perform for so long as he has done and we saw that with Frankie Edgar and you know I'd, be, and I'd never be one to say that you know walk off into the sunset but you do like to I love to see people leave the sport with a bit of money in the bank and you know most of themselves intact so Holloway has you know his window is probably another year you know if he's going to get back 29 Phil yeah, but you no know he has an awful lot of miles. Quite, no. Yeah, yeah he has an, an awful lot of miles on the clock, Rosser. You know, and that's the thing. So I'd, I'd love to see him. You know, give it another year or two. That kind of thing. You know, hopefully, you know, get a title fight, maybe even win a belt and that kind of thing. But it's it's time to start thinking of your exit strategy, as they say in in the celebrity business. Pete, I'll tell you all about that. I'm actually yeah, surprised he's not like a. Uh, Dominic Cruz, and he hasn't broken his hands loads of times. The other people, by the time he punches people in the face. But Cruz is unique, right? Like he's still in a situation where he's he's fighting the elite guys in the division. Frankie's in a weird spot now where he's fodder to breed the next generation of of title contenders. He's a gatekeeper, when, yeah. When you're in that spot, like you're going in, so they can build their name off you. Like you, everybody knows that. Like when when Frankie's matched mm-hmm. with these guys, nobody's going like, "Oh, Frankie, Frankie's gonna pull this out here." It's nearly like Jesus Christ. That that that's painful to watch now. That was painful to watch against Vera. Uh, we, he's had other moments like that, so it's it, Holloway isn't quite there. Right? He's still the, the the cream of the crop. Like, but as Phil says, like we'd love to see people leave the sport when they're still at that level. When it's like I'm taking control of the situation, I'm leaving because I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Uh, and look, Holloway, I think Holloway's speech is very deceptive because <laughs> he tends to slur and talk, but he's always been like that. But every time you hear he's been in one of these wars and then he goes in an interview the next day, you're like, oh, he's never going to be the same again. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness, I, I just want to see him get that redemption against Volkanovski and then he can walk away. I think people like I, I think it's changed a bit, right? Because people like Volkanovski now. For a long time, they hated him because he beat Max. Like it wasn't like he's a good guy. It was just like, no, nah, we wanted the other lad to win. <laughs> in fairness, in fairness, nothing against Volkanovski. Seems like a lovely guy. He actually, seems like quite a character. He seems like yeah. he, he'd actually enjoy to spend time no, no matter what. He seems like a real sort he was of meant friendly to be as dude. Uh, uh, rugby as Noel McGrath. Ooh, ah, Noel McGrath. That, I say, that ooh, ah, Noel McGrath. That bad. <laughs> uh, lads, another, another fight in the card we have to watch out for as well is Kevin Holland against Kyle Dawkins as well. The ever-impressive Kevin Holland. He's always a bit of crack to watch. Uh, lads, uh, I just want to repeat as well. Make sure... I was, hey, hey, every- sorry, I hate to burst your bubble. I think Kevin Holland pulled out of that fight. Okay, well, that fight's off then. But I just want to recap. <laughs> Make sure to check out Sinead Cavanaugh against Cyborg this Friday and the UFC 
this Saturday. Lads, that sort of wraps the show up, but we're going to give you guys the floor. Uh, Phil, we're going to give you f- yourself the floor first to tell the folks where they can check out your work, etc., etc., etc. You you can find me on Twitter at Philip Ablana at your own risk, right? Because people follow me on Twitter and go, this is not what I expected at all, right? But go there, do that. You know, there's always interesting discussion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It it all goes down. Like I say, I do my killing in the dark, but sometimes it's in public. (laughs) And uh, on Instagram, you'll find me at Philip Atlanta over there because somebody, some miserable bastard stole that Philip O'Connor before I got there. And you'll always, always, always find me in the mentions of the Energized Show and indeed of Mr. P.T. Carroll, a lovely journalist from Black Just Now. P.T., what about yourself? Thanks, Bill. Phil, people make sure to check out Phil. He's brilliant. Yeah, you can catch me on all the social media, uh, PT Carroll. Um, but I think you'd be far better off following Phil, if I'm going to be honest. I get a lot more enjoyment out of his tweets than my own. <laughs> and you, you can also catch both of us at Malloy's Liquor Store in Castle Knock every time I'm home as the hunt for Guinness Zero goes on. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you there. Stop, stop the lights. Stop the lights. Um, but, uh, Phil, what's your podcast called again for the, for the people at home? Yeah. Yeah, I have a podcast called Arrow Man in Stockholm. It's been a little bit difficult lately. I've had a whole load of people booking and pulling out uh, of interviews. So there hasn't been an interview, or I think Stephanie Roach was the last one when Ireland played Sweden. Uh, so yeah, there's going to be a lot more of that during the autumn now. I've stopped asking these bums, you know, these you know sports journalists to be on it, you know, because they just let me down the whole time, you know. But uh, a lot of stuff there to come, and there'll actually be a new podcast coming up soon. This is exclusive for the Energize Show. I'm going to be launching a podcast for the Irish people living in Sweden and for Irish people interested in what happens in Sweden. Uh, that's going to be coming up. That'll be a separate thing to be coming up probably in December. See this lad. This lad is rubbing shoulders with the biggest stars in the world. Oh, I I couldn't get around to doing my own podcast. Probably because you're interviewing the biggest names in music, politics, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, there was that one time he was he was uh, ten minutes late from one of our podcasts because he he was interviewing Zlatan. That's my famous donkey as well. <laughs> he was. He fucking was. I, yeah. I actually, I actually spent this morning uh, talking to Eamon Dunphy about how I spent a few hours with Bjorn from ABBA the other day, and that's the biggest celebrity flex I've ever done on anyone's podcast. Uh, come on. <laughs> what, what about the other one? Can we can we talk about the other one or no? Is that still secret? PT, you can tell all my secrets. I've entrusted all these things to you. Which one was that? What about Greta? That that's huge, man. Greta oh, Th- yeah. Thornburg. Yeah, yes. Greta Thunberg, yeah. So a few weeks ago, um, you know, before COP26, this big climate conference is going on at the moment. So I got a call and they said, okay, we want you to interview Greta. And I've interviewed her like, you know, 20 times before, you know. She's and, taking um, the piss out of him. She's taking yeah, the piss so, out of him right to his face. So, yeah, so this time they wanted me to go to our house. But then, you know, I did, did all those interviews. I think it was actually for NBC that ended up showing it. But a couple of days later, uh, she contacted me again through a third party and said, can you interview me again? I went, okay. So she was there with a, um, a climate activist called Mitzi Tan who'd come from the Philippines, you know, and they were coming here for COP26 and then getting trains over to Glasgow. So I'm interviewing them, and um, Mitzi starts to talk about these themes of social justice to do with climate justice. And I said, I said to Claire, what, what about you, Glenda? Do you think these themes are very important? And she goes, what did you say? Themes? Uh, taking the piss out of my Dublin accent. Oh, themes, she says, and starts laughing at me. So, uh, <laughs> I've just been owned by an 18-year-old climate activist in a yellow raincoat, so that's the end of me. Like, you know, that's any, any sort of hubris I had is just completely gone now. The female answer to Paddington Bear. <laughs> she's she's actually lovely she really is good cracky you know when you get her off the camera blah, 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 blah. I, want to, I want to thank you again lads for both coming on and uh, like hanging out with us on Friday it was such a brilliant experience and I'm sure there's many many more to come for Irish MA as well uh, Ross and say before we wrap things up uh, no guys thanks a million for your time um, it was great to spend time with you guys on Friday I'll re- reiterate what Baz says I can't wait to spend more time with you guys in the future PT that moment where we ha- held hands was very very special and uh, I whispered <laughs> zombie interior uh, you know ha- had to be done but uh, guys you know I'm sure if you're 
what an hour and 17 minutes into this podcast and you've been having as much good time as we have you'll like it you'll share it you'll subscribe you'll follow the lads on their their social channels and as always you'll stay Energize show up the Irish. Been sussing you guys a couple of times. I've seen a couple of clips. I think you've done some interviews with Dylan Moran and that. But I, I, I saw. So keep going. Keep up the good work, guys.